Hello, I can't believe I'm actually uh, starting series two now of this podcast. I remember last year when I started it, I thought if I get a couple of episodes under my belt, I'll be delighted. So thank you for sticking with me anyway, and I hope you enjoyed series one. I certainly enjoyed doing it. But this series has a completely different theme, and I'm going to be interviewing Northern Ireland comedians. So hopefully you'll find it good crack as well as very interesting. So this episode is with John Lenehan, alias May McFedrich. John is actually a good friend of mine. I've known him now for 25 years at least. In fact, when I started Children in Crossfire, John was one of the people I approached first to kind of help and he very kindly offered his services and he hasn't been able to escape since. On the outside chance that you don't know John Lennon or Mae McFredrich, he or she is a very well-known Irish comedian, actor and recording artist. In fact, I'll be playing a few clips from her album, which I think you will definitely find very interesting. Right, John, it's a real privilege for me to be interviewing you since I know you such a long time. So yeah, indeed. It's brilliant. I'm delighted that you've agreed to participate in this podcast. You're obviously a well-known celebrity in certain circles. In yeah, certain <laughs> circles. That's the way to put it. Uh, from my point of view, anyway, I wouldn't mind finding a bit about where you grew up and what your early life was like. Um, well, we were just a family of seven, my mum, my dad, the five siblings. and um, The oldest of the of the tribe, the oldest was our alien who was Down syndrome. And um, sort of me and Michael and Jimmy, Jimmy was a, the, the eldest brother. So it was alien Jimmy and then Julie May, Julie May the, the youngest girl, and then me and then Michael came along. So... Um, and we all lived up at um, Heathfield Road, just off the old park road there, just beside um, the cinema, the park cinema. And we used to call the, the open air spaces, it was just fields, and we used to call them the skin fields. And then as you go over the skin field, you go down the big hill, you're down into Fleck Street, that's Ardoin. Used to be an old cinder pitch there that, you know, I'm sure there's fellas today still have some of the centres in their knees and hips and um, yeah, there used to be whale football matches there you know it was a, just it was a great time you know early 50s as a kid you know just growing up when we moved to the Cape Hill Road um, we lived in Marston Gardens in the Cape Hill Road and it was just unbelievable it was a three storey house two rooms downstairs and then a kitchen and then a wee pantry and then big flight of stairs up to the bathroom. And we hadn't got a bathroom. We were two up, two down on Heathfield Road. And uh, the bath used to hang out the back on the yard wall. And on a Saturday night, it, it was in. And me and Michael were in the bath, or maybe Eileen and Julie May would have been as kids. And they'd have been in it. And it was no not changing the water, just the same water, then you get into it, you know. and. Uh, it was just... The bath was outside? Uh, the bath hanging on the wall, hanging on the, 
a nail in the wall. You must have foundered. No, we didn't get bath on the wall. We brought the bath in. Oh, you brought the bath in? Uh, oh, what I do you think? A circus act? A bath hanging <laughs> off a wall and there's three of us on it? The name of... What are you thinking about? Not at all. Not like usual rich ones in Derry, <laughs> hey? <laughs> so, um, I, the bath was brought in. It was great. There was a big roaring fire and you were in front of it, you know, and uh, the water was... Well, you had to get in. If you were in second, there had to be a kettle of water. You know, put in, add it into it to heat it up again. It's nothing like uh, cold bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so that was us. And, uh, How was the bubbles created? <laughs> well, indeed, uh, whatever way you want. <laughs> but then there was another flight of stairs, two bedrooms there, and then another two bedrooms up, another two small flights. It was great. I got up and down and couldn't believe it, you know, because we'd only sort of nine stairs in the old house, and that was the end of two rooms. There was no lantern or anything, it was just two rooms. So we had the, the two attics, and it was great getting nosebleeds and all going up to bed, <laughs> up that high. And because of that, that you nearly had, me and our Michael, we had a, a room of our own. The whole front front attic was ours, and it was just bliss. Mm. And I remember in school, and the uh, teacher says, Well, Lanahan, where do you live now? I said, Mars and Gardens, Cafell Road. And everybody's going, ew, snob and all of It was great. It so was, it was seen as an upgrade then? Oh, uh, totally. Uh, Running water and everything, electric. Brilliant. <laughs> and um, So you left school at 15? I left school at 15. I, w I went home and I remember I had nine homeworks that weekend. And that, that helped me, you know. Decide. Aye. <laughs> and, um, and I remember our careers master, but he was all the people of... 15, we were all in A classes, no, it was 1A, 2A, up to 4A, and we were seen to be the, the brains of the school, you know. But I was, I was, I wasn't daft, you know, I wasn't, I was, when I put my mind in, I was sort of quite good. This wasn't good. your cup of tea? No, indeed. So, uh, he was, the boys working in, all my mates, and uh, Mr. Tuckerty, we talk, and, uh, he uh, said, hey, lad, you can go on to be a school teacher, you can be a doctor, you can be anything you want. Go to Queen's University and, and get whatever you have to get. You, you'll be great. He was there in eight classes and he was telling everybody, this is what you do. And, um, and they were saying, oh, I want to leave, but look, I'm going to... And he's persuading a lot of them to stay on. And I went in and I says, I'm thinking of leaving. And Mr. Doherty said, good luck. <laughs> That's what he said. Good luck. That's obviously a big and plan I'm, for and you. I, and I'm waiting, I, I'm waiting on the no, don't know what you can be, you know. There you uh, go. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> well, at least he wished he looked. Oh, he did indeed. Um, and then his son, he retired and his son, he he went to school and I did the 50th anniversary of Barnegay School and it was down in the waterfront and uh, a neutron was there and she was the same name as me, McFedridge, Martin and uh, Mar Ma uh, Mar Mary Magalies. Uh. And, uh. so, um, and I knew some of her family were there, the O'Connors who did the, the coal, you know, they delivered coal throughout North Belfast and they were famous for it. And it was, it was uh, I don't know, 11 or 12 O'Connors and they lived in a big house in the corner of Kansas Avenue. And Sammy O'Connor was a friend of mine and uh, I said, you know, see, to be honest, the O'Connors. And the president was there with Martin sitting up in one of the boxes, and I'm doing this spot in front of the place, was rammed.
with all ex pupils and people belonging to them and people who had went to the school and taught at the school and all. I said, see the O'Connor, see them eight stone bags? They're not eight stone. Put it like this. See if he was to sell sweets and a you know, bag full of sweets right. and there's supposed to be twelve sweets and the banana on it. So all I'm saying is, if you think you're getting eight stone of coal, you've not tonight. Oh, I hope we're ruining the colour. Oh, I don't know, you make religion, blah, blah, blah. So it was great. And then she invited me down to the, the Aris. And, oh, did she? Yeah. And, uh, and as I was going in, Brenda, uh, the, my wife, I was going in and uh, she says, uh, what's your name? I says, John Lenahan. Oh, I knew to almost have a special word with you. You, apparently you said something about her family. And I went down and here she is. She went, John Lenahan, come here. And she just threw her arms around me and gave me a big hug. And all the cameras were there. They have their own cameras, you know. Uh. And uh, I just said there, look, who do I invoice? <laughs> get you the Oh, you just don't get me for a hug, you know. <laughs> so it was great, but it was very welcome down there. So when you left school then, were you straight on the being a mechanic? No, I was straight on to being a message boy and making tea and doing this and running there. And, but it was grand. I, I, just, you were getting, I was getting £2.11 a week. No, it was £3.01. That's an old money, of course. What's, uh, that? What's that in... What's that in new money? I wouldn't have a clue, Dick. Well, £2.11 would have been £2.55p. Right, OK. So I went down and gave my ma the wages. And Mark said, thank you, son, give me a pound back. No, she gave me a pound and the, the yeah. shilling. So I got 21 shillings. But I, I wasn't that after. I was working for Billy the Milkman, right? Billy Taylor, lovely, lovely man. Yeah. And he worked for the co-op. So I used to meet him on a Sunday, a Saturday and a Sunday. And he was a Magdalene Torn supporter, so he wanted everything finished for one o'clock, half one, so he could get home, get washed, and get down to... See the Glens playing, and uh, I was the same. I used to go and watch Cliftonville right. or Distillery as it was then. Uh, Distillery was my favourite team. They were off the Gravener Road there, just right. and um, and I remember I used to get um, five half crowns off Billy the Milkman every week. I worked on Saturday and Sunday, and he used to give me five half crowns, and it was great. I remember I used to give my ma the, uh, the 12, uh, 12 and 6 as it was, and she used to give me two of them back, you know. So that was me putting the, the 7 and 6, that was my input for the wages. But it was, I started that when I was 12, so I did that every week until I was, until I was 15, and then I you got the other wage out from as a motor mechanic. And I remember my brother... Well, going, what did you start when you were 12? You were working uh, when you were 12? Aye. As a milk boy. Right. And I got 12 and 6 a week. Okay. And I give my ma, my ma, I give my ma 7 and 6 of it. And I remember, I, was, I came up from, I was living in Dublin, I came back to Belfast, and um, my brother was around, it, around it. my ma, we had our different houses then, living in different houses. And my brother says, I'm going to ask my ma for a loan of 200 pounds. He was going to a flat or somewhere in Ennis or somewhere. That would have been a lot of money in them days, 200 quid. I know, this is, uh, this is 30, 
25, 30 years ago. That would have been a lot of money, eh? Hey? Aye, well, that well, drink's very dear. <laughs> so. 300 pounds? Aye, well, sir. So he was just looking at a load of it. He was giving it back, all right. But um, my ma says no. And wouldn't give it. And uh, I says, come on, I was going to ask her for a loan. He says, what are you looking for? He says, five grand. Yeah, he said, what do you want five grand for? He said, I want to buy a house. And if I get another five grand, I'll be able to buy a cash. And uh, you know, he says, good luck with that one. So I went round with Ma, I says, Ma, you couldn't do the favour, because you lent us £5,000. She said, do you want a cheque or cash? <laughs> I said, those mothers going straight into the bank and buying a, a house. She says, that's it, so come down to me tomorrow morning in the bank and we'll get it sorted. I'm sure that went down well. I, I said, um, I said why, why are you giving me, lending me five grand, you wouldn't lend Michael 200? She says, I know Michael's going to do with 200. He's going to pay it up again a wall somewhere. Oh, well, that's a mother's for. And she says, you're buying the house. She says, anyway, do you remember those Saturdays you used to give me seven and six? She says, son, sometimes I was waiting on them. That's lovely, isn't it? Uh, incredible woman. She was, I. She was great. Great, great manager of money because we weren't getting a lot and um, and my dad used to work in Hughes's tool company right and he was uh, my dad was a cork man right? and uh, he came back and him and my ma came back to Belfast he met my ma in London and um, came back to Belfast and he went down to get the brew, you know, sign on. Right. <coughs> a woman said, where are you from? And he said, he was from Cork. He says, no, sir, you don't, you don't, well, if I'm from, like you said, you'd be an alien, as we would say, you know, to this country. And he says, um, I was, um, I was in the army in North Africa and got, I got injured and, and actually, there's a, it was, I got a, I don't know what it is, there's a, a thing for me in London for, you know, for bravery, for yeah, what he some, did. some medal or something. Yeah, and uh, and it must have been around November time, because when they come out, they were collecting for the poppies. And they said, well, would you like a bad poppy? You know, it's for the dead. I said, what about the living? My husband can't even get brew here. And... Um, and my ma says, leave the, see the, the medal, leave it where it is. It's still in London, the way it's collected it. So, um, so we got a job in Hughes' tool company. And in 1963, it was put out by gunpoint. Before the troubles even started, he was told to leave. Why was that? Because he was a Catholic from Cork. And he started working in the hotel business and he was a concierge and he worked in the Midland and from the Midland he worked in a hotel, Robin, what is it? international hotel, just behind the city hall. It's not there now, it's gone. And then from there he went 
to the Europa. He used to work in the Grand Central Hotel, the old Grand Central where the Castle Court is now. Right. And I remember going in as a kid to see my dad. And my dad was there in a lovely suit, and all the concierge, you know. And he, the old lifts, you know, the old lifts that just used to come out, you know, spread them out, and they were all like netted, yeah. those type of the old steel, yeah. the old steel, and going up, you know, the, the flights are up the, the stairs in the lift. And it was just brilliant to see the old, old hotel, you know. It's one of my like, first memories, apart from school, you know. And uh, then my dad went, he was a length of time in, um, in the, the Europa. And then my mummy and Aileen and my dad decided, look, they wanted to move to New Zealand. And uh, my dad went out first, you know, to get a get a house. And, and my dad would have been only, he'd have been, well, I'd say about, just about 52, maybe 51 or 52 at the time. And he went out and got the house, got it all sorted out. And my ma and Aileen left, says, now you're all big lads, we're all in our 20s now. You know, and I was thinking of getting married and whatever. And um, the family house was then in Teata too in Auckland. Mm -hmm. And then my dad took a you know, taste in his mouth and he had a pain in his lung. And uh, they had all these different tests. And then they said, look, we're going to bring in, we're going to take a, a piece off the lung to see is it malignant? And because um, you, you might have cancer of the, of the lungs. And uh, he went into the hospital and uh, they didn't even get opening them up. He was dead on the trolley. What age was he then? He was 56. Oh my God, that's young, hey? Uh, it's not old if you're 55. No. <laughs> so, um, my mum went to identify the body and she says, what happened to his head? He says, well, it happened to the corpses, you know. My says, I've waked too many people. What happened to his head? He said, no, it just, it just happened. That I don't really know about that. He said, did somebody drop my husband off a trolley? He said, they don't know. They never, they never said that that's what happened. But they gave my mom as much money as my dad would have earned till he was 65. And that's it. And she says, why are you doing that? He says, I know sometimes, you know, and they never give her an excuse. And she, got the, she had two death certificates, and both of them were different. So... And uh, my mama just the blanks yourself. Uh, yes, uh, so my mama couldn't. Uh, she couldn't stand it. She, she just says, "Look, I just want to go back home." And uh, her and Aileen come back home, and Michael was still in the house, you know. And uh, so my mama moved back, and it was not a problem there. And um, yeah, it was, uh, so it was a strange time. So, you obviously remember the troubles all starting, <laughs> and you, Indeed. you um, yourself, and your girlfriend then, your wife Aye, Molly, Brenda. Brenda. Aye. You, we were, you were uh, caught up in an incident there, didn't you? Yeah, we were. Uh, 
And that's it. We were only going together, and uh, I said, look, we used to go. And I don't know why, you know, maybe the loyalists in, in North Belfast thought that everybody in this bar were in the provos or something, you know, but we used to go to the hole in the wall on Saturday and we played a wee bit of, played a bit of football and we went back to there and it was always great crack. And so I said to Brendan, we're down to the hole in the wall this Friday night, I'm not sure, I think it was the 23rd of February 1973, about 9.15pm. We were upstairs and I heard the racket down below and I said, must be a fight down there. And I, I, I had Brenda's hand next thing the place. We were, um, we felt in the first, yeah, we, we ended up on the ground floor. And the, uh, we were the first two dug out of it, me and Brenda. And I could see Brenda's cheekbone coming out through. And her head was all laying open. And my treasure leg was completely off. And we just ripped. That was big, just a big flap of cloth. So you know, then we just went down, checked everything was there, you know. So did a stock check, everything was there. So it wasn't too bad. So and uh, there was a girl ran us to the hospital. She lived facing it, and uh, another girl came out and says, "Here's a towel. Here, hold your face together." And I'm looking at Brenda and Jesus, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was... Pretty bad. Yeah, and the, there was another guard who says, oh, I think the, the heel of my shoe's gone. I looked down, she had no shoes on. It was just her, her ankle was just sticking out the side and the bones. That's pretty traumatic, John. Ah, indeed, eh? You know? And Brenda ended up in hospital, didn't she, after? Yeah, she did. Uh, she took it like a nervous break. And she was down to about six stone. And... Um, yeah, it was, uh, but you know, it's, it's strange. And you know, about, about, I never thought of it. You know, after that, I just put it in my head, you know, the doctor says he's, he's too happy. This is in NE and casualty in the Mother Hospital, and I'm cracking jokes. I says, Oh, this nurse has me in stitches, and no cracking. He says, No, he'll, he'll, uh, one of these days, he'll just crash. Crash, I. Uh, and does he? I'm still waiting on it. <laughs> well, that's not bad in a way, is it? Uh, not at all. And Brenda then, she recovered and you uh, eventually she recovered. got married then? Uh, and then we just went down, uh, Brenda's father was a dub. And uh, and I remember my dad, my dad came over before he died, obviously. He came over to Dublin and met Tommy Banks to Brenda's dad. And uh, the two of them just headed off great. I think it was after a battle of... Irish whiskey, the two of them in great, oh. great order, you know. But uh, yeah, we moved to Dublin and then I got a, a job as a mechanic then in tractor motors up in Prussia Street, North Dublin, you know. And they're still good friends from from that. And then I played for a wee football team down in Dublin, up Dinkle United, you know, from Cabra. All great lads, all great people, you know. And you managed the team there for a while, didn't you? I got back up here and played for Malachan's seconds and then ended up managing Malachan's seconds, you know, uh, which was great, you know, because I'm, I'm a member of Fort William Golf Club, you know, and at this present minute in time, I'm the immediate past captain. And uh, the, the, the guys who played, I played with them, guys, members of the club, yeah. you played football with and... Uh, yeah, great, great. The sport, uh, golf and football are 
play the play, you know. You had a couple of brushes we we definitely had you. I was diagnosed with having a, a neurological problem, which is called syringomalia, and it, you know, it's about it's about uh, uh, going down through the the spine, the spinal cord, um, bubbles can form on it, and when the when the bubble swells, it swells out. It's hitting the vertebrae. Well, the mint, the mint, it's like putting. It's like no life wire, just putting a screwdriver on it, just breaks, breaks the current. Well, this break, this, these bubbles were formed and they, uh, the current was stopped going to area T11 in my body, which is you know, halfway down the chest and all on the left side. Yeah. So I have muscle wastage on the left side and it's the type of thing that can gallop or crawl and lucky enough uh, mine is crawling, but you can see it's getting worse as time goes on, you know. And what way does it affect you daily? Like I was just no, no, no strength in my left side, you know, my left arm, you know. That's that's as far as no sense in showing you. You can't see it. But I couldn't push, <laughs> I, cu I couldn't comb my hair with my left hand. Right, okay. So uh, you've heard it comb. Oh, uh, you've I've heard. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. I can come and ready and just pop my head down. Just pop my head down, doing the side of the bath, and just come her. But uh, so uh, I've no no sort of grip in my left hand, and you know, which is hard playing the golf. You know, so Aye. you're laying on your all the right side. But you know, and um, well, I was in hospital. Aye. They said they were going to op open it up and uh, open up the back of the head and. Uh, sort of uh, chip away at the vertebrae, make you know instead of touching the spinal cord, take the vertebrae and then you know uh, hone it, hone it out, yeah. you know to make it bigger. And I was I played, played a football match on the Saturday. I went in the hospital on the Sunday. They operated on the Monday, and on the Friday I got anointed. I contacted meningitis. Right. And um, I tell you, there's a headache. I thought my head was going to explode. You know, if you had to put a finger to it, uh, I thought it was like a balloon, and it's blown up at its, its limit. And it was like if I had touched, even touched the balloon, it would have burst. That's the way my, my head felt. And uh, I remember getting morphine, and it was 12 o'clock midnight. I got the morphine injection. And they said that'll do you, sure, for about four hours. And at 20 past 12, I thought, it's just going to explode. It didn't happen for me. And I was looking for a buzzer, you know, to, to hit. To get help or something. And next thing, I was 30 feet above the bed. Uh, that's, you see, you had an out-of-body experience uh, then. And I looked down, I could see myself. And I was just lying out. And I can remember, because the bed facing me, there was uh, a guy from Iran. And the fellow beside him had a, his bed, like it was a cot, like a cot type bed. And his head was just open tracks all over it. And the fellow facing him was just too down from me. He was out on his stag night and he could hit me a car. He just crossed the road, he had a few drinks in and crossed the road. 
my car just smelled them, you know. But you had this out-of-body, an actual out-of-body experience? I, I was about 30 feet, I don't know why I say 30 feet, but that's what just came into my head. 30 feet above it, I saw all this, and I saw the night nurse. <laughs> and why I can remember it so well, but it was, he was called Jerry McGuigan. And one of my mates, we used to walk to work. You know, Jerry lived two streets from me. We used to walk down and then walk home together, and then eventually he got a wee money and got a bit left in, and mm. I had a wee fate on two cents. I had you And uh, I remember this night nurse, Jamie, going, it was going thin at the back. Well, I, like, the only place I was, I was laying flat out the whole time I was in the hospital. I was laying flat out, and he was on a, he was on a podium at the top of the, the ward. And I, I couldn't see whether he was going to on top or not. But after it, I found out was out of hospital and well, I found out that he was going to on top. And I, I'm not one of these things that believes in out-of-body experiences or anything like that. You know, I just I just told it as it was. That's what I saw. Now, if that, if that was in my mind, all right, it was in my mind, but... It's funny getting, uh, getting that. And you survived it all anyway? God didn't want me and the devil was afraid no. of me. <laughs> I heard one of your mates come and visit you when, he was uh, in, when you were in there. Pat McGuigan. Uh, was it Jerry McGuigan's brother? Uh, and Pat says, uh, well, John, how, how, uh, uh, <laughs> at this stage I was sort of getting over and eat, says, uh, John, see if anything happens to you. See your golf clubs. <laughs> and I looked at him. He says, no, no, just, you know, don't want to let them go to waste. And he says, no, thing. See Brenda, see if she needs anything. <laughs> and I mean anything. He says, no better man. And I just beckoned him to come down to me. I pulled him down and I just whispered in his ear. If you touch my golf clubs, <laughs> I will hound you. He says, there's nothing wrong with him. He's all right. <laughs> I don't see friends. <laughs> oh, stop your no, talking. Hardly whack. <laughs> the comedy stuff, how did all that start? Well, um... I was telling you earlier on about the, the we did we uh, we did we pantomime just right. you know, but Eamon Holmes then said to me, Eamon always knew it was always a bit of crack and slagging at family weddings or funerals or parties or house parties, anything to go like a, a lion of us give us a bit of crack, sing an old song or tell to four yarns, and he knew me for that. You miss the old troubles, don't you? You get a wee waff of tires burning. Just brings all the old years back, doesn't it? And he said to me one day, he said, John, I'm coming over from England and uh, downtown radio have asked me to do a wee two-week-long spot on the radio and I'm looking for people to, uh, to ring in or give me a hard time or slag me off or do just whatever you want. As long as you just fill in two or three minutes. And I says, what? He says, I'd like you to ring in. Be yourself, be a character, be anything you like. And uh, I said to him, I, oh, OK. And 
the minute they said, all right, I'm going motorbike down here. And I was a motor mechanic and they had me overalls. And he says, look, I'll ring you about 10 to 11 on a Monday morning. And I knew if I didn't do it on the Monday morning, I wouldn't. Never, I wouldn't you never did? No, never did. My mummy wanted a wee girl, my daddy wanted a wee boy. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them were delayed. So cut a long story short, 10 to 11, I'm at home and I'm starting. And Brenda's mother, God rest her, May, she was in the house, in the kitchen, or in the, in the, the scullery. <laughs> and... Eamon's mother was in the kitchen with her because Eamon's mother and Brenda's mother are sisters. Right. We, so it was me and Josie. And I said, um, right, they said we're going to listen to see what I was going to do. And they thought I was just going to go on as, just as myself. I says, I'll let on, I'm a wee woman from North Belfast. <clears throat> Eamon said, hello, hello, who am I talking to? I said, you're talking to me, son. He said, who are you? I mean, I, I, I was going to call myself Josie after Eamon's ma, but I thought, oh, Eamon's famous enough. <laughs> I'll make Brenda's ma famous. I, yes, my name's May. May, how are you? Where are you from? North Belfast, son. Now, I haven't much time because I have to go down to the veins. I have to get my fruit and I go down to the... I have to get my, my sausage rolls and uh, I get my baps and all down down the veins and there's a wee, a wee home bakery down there. I get all my stuff in there and I just rub it on for about three or four minutes just to where I'm going and what I'm getting. And and I've been my friends, my friends, he's big, big Patricia, big Paddy Griffin was my mate. I just called him Big Patricia. <laughs> so um, he says, ma'am, and what's your second name? I mean, what? Your second name? I said, oh, so I didn't think we're going to get that close. And uh, lucky enough, I had the Irish news beside the phone, and the back page was sitting there to be read, and it says, McFetridge has a blinder. Now, this was about Ogden McFetridge, who played hurling for Antrim. And in the late 80s, Adam had a superb hurling side. They actually got into the final in 89, I think it was. Aye, it was 89. And um, I says, it's, uh, it's McFadridge. He says, what? Me McFadridge, what are you wanting about? It's me McFadridge, two T's, two T's. He says, me McFadridge. Yes, son, what is it you want? I says, and I go, Fuck where this come from? <laughs> I go, name of Christ. Uh, May McFadden, where who is this? Well, but that was her. She was born and it was just, it was August 1987. Oh yes, I limbered up this morning and two cups of coffee and cleared all the stuff off my chest and that was me and I had a wee sausage and egg soda. So as you can see, my body is a temple and uh, like I said... So, uh, it's just rocketed since then, really, did not it? I know, it did. Um, I remember the first time <clears throat> I was in the opera house it was, uh, I was doing a warm-up. UTV was 30 years old that, in 87. I think it was 87 or 80. It was 87. And uh, the, the fellow who was producing, producing the show, a guy called David Donaghy, he ended up producing the Kelly show. So they were all, this was all in the opera house. And they said... Gene Fitzpatrick uh, couldn't do all of the dates. He was supposed to do five, but there was two he couldn't do. So David Donnelly says, I'm getting this guy, Mick Fettridge. He says, 
Jerry Kelly says, I've heard him. It's the same old stuff, you know. Teddy Act, you know, uh, all the different people who are, you know, Jimmy Young and all that stuff. He said, no, I've heard that before. He said, well, anyway, he's booked. So my first night, I went in and Jerry says, what way will we work this, John? I says, Jerry, look, I'll go in that I'm lost, looking for my seat. And uh, you can say something, get security to throw me out. You can leave and I'll do 10 minutes, whatever I have to do. He says, that seems a good idea. So we did that and I said, you be so, I'm, I'm looking for my seat here. I went in the wrong door. Jerry, you shouldn't be here. Kelly says, you shouldn't be here. Come on, you have to get out. I don't sort of got my ticket. I'm only looking for my seat. I don't want to be standing here. He said, I'm going to get, I'm going to get um, security. I said, oh, well, okay, maybe they can put me to my seat. Ah, away you go. He went on and I went, big fella thinks he's smart. And I did 10 minutes and it went down an absolute treat. I call you when I need you in my heart and Yeah, come to me, come to me, wild and wired. Mm, yeah, come to me. So after I was all getting changed in the room, Kelly came and he said, John, I'm just going to tell you, he says, uh, I didn't fancy my start listening to your radio. And I it's just the old, same old blah, blah. And he says, totally, totally... Uh, Blown away, he says. By the way, I'm I'm starting a show on Friday night, or on a Friday night, and uh, I'd love you to do warm up for me. Brilliant. He says, "What's that called?" He says, "It's going to be called Kelly, or just Kelly, or something like that." And I did sixteen and a half years of it. Anyway, let's just. I'll need to introduce myself. I'm Mae McSally, and our circus. We we open up tomorrow night, and we still don't have a star for the show. And I've been waiting all day, waiting and work. And uh, there was people in the opera house saw the, you know, maybe they saw something in the future, but then it was when the, the, the crankies, the crankies were in the opera house doing panto. It must have been 80, well, 87, 88. And that was when Ian Cranky, I saw me doing the warm up in the Kelly show, they were guests. And he says, you should, you should be doing Panto, you're just ideal. And one of the Critchley brothers come over and had a look at me and uh, liked what he's seen and the rest history. So John, we're around here now at the Opera House and now that we're here, what does it mean to you? It means, um, that means everything to me. Um, like well, it didn't happen last year because of COVID. It was uh, it, it was nice to get one Christmas off, to be in the house. I don't know where my, my wife Brenda would agree with me because she would say to me, "Are you not going over to the club?" Because then I was the immediate past captain of the golf club, uh, Fort William, and uh, she said, "Look, you would not be wanting you over there to." pick a ballot out or something, you know. So this year, this will be your 32nd year, although you missed your 31st yeah, year because yeah, of COVID. That's right. For you, being a Belfast man, born and bred, mm-hmm. like 32 years of performing in the, yeah. the biggest panel in the country, like what must that feel like? It feels great, you know. Sometimes I can't, I really can't believe it because uh, 
Jeg så da haft den her bjergtræsken i laften, i laften Nord Bergfarsen. Jeg lavede skyldet fæftanen, og nu, det var nu GCSEs og A-levels, og nu to years at uni, and you know, University of Life was right there. Then you finished school, that was it. I left school to Freddy, started working on Monday. Oh, but Shackle, that's it, don't be afraid. Shackle, yeah, Shackle, happy days. Where are you from, son? North Belfast, no better place, is there? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a clue we saw that. Here. <laughs> Where are you from, ladies? So we're sitting here in the stalls, looking up at mm -hmm. the stage. Mm -hmm. What memories does the stage conjure up for you? Well, I'll tell you one now. memory. There was a guy, he was called Mr. Pantomime. You know, anything about pantomimes, he knew it. And um, he was called Brand Hewitt Jones, lovely, lovely man. He couldn't understand a word. He was very, very English, very, maybe Etonian or something like that, you know. Um, eaton, uh, not eaton, eaton, E-T-O-N, you know, educated. Oh, lovely, yeah. And a, a real, very nice. Uh, you're the well, other, you're uh, the other eaton? Yeah, E-A-T-I-N. So he was in the stalls here and we were, that was our opening night that night. And uh, he was in the stalls and uh, I'm down and I says, well, and I sort of frightened him. And uh, he, he says, John, I, I can't understand a word you're saying. I says, Brian, you just settle yourself tonight. Thank God I'm not entertaining you, I'm entertaining the Belfast crowd. <laughs> They'll know what I'm talking about. And that night we got a stamp ovation. And he came in and he went, still didn't understand the word, but you're brilliant. <laughs> but he said to me that he was, um, he was sitting in the auditorium, just going through something. And he says one of the dancers had a big long cloak on. He says, what the, what's she doing up there? She should be resting or doing something else. And he went up and he pulled the curtain back from where she was. She went down through the curtain. It was just a concrete wall, just a wall. So there was, and it was one time Paddy Jenkins and myself were on stage and we looked up into the box and Paddy says, who's that stamp, who's that stamp behind them three people in the box? You just saw the big, shape of a, a person with a like a hat, like an army hat on. You know, from like, uh, which was, war, whatever it was, you know. And was that light still? How do you mean? Or is that yeah, well, we don't know what done it, to be honest. But do you think it's haunted? Well, they say that it is. I've never, you know, <laughs> I've, I've never seen or heard anything, so. So there could be a ghost here? Yeah, yeah. you never know. Hmm. Well, I suppose the Bolton's old enough, really. Oh, aye. Right. It was at 1895, first show. Well, tell me, your first show was mm -hmm. um, in 1989-1990. Oh, yeah, dear, yeah. Did you ever imagine that 32 years later you'd be still doing shows in here? And maybe for longer than that? See, when I did it, I was way down there. Jimmy Cricket was the number one man. And he was the, uh, the head man, and uh, Candy Devine and John Daly, and a girl called Steve Clunderud, you know, who was a beautiful young girl, but 
you know. And it was a, it was a great show, but uh, Jimmy Cricket said to me, I know you come down, and the last person down was Jimmy in the blood. And Jimmy said, John, it's you to love here. And he was very, very kind. He says, you should be walking down last. He says, Jimmy, I'm just happy walking down and delighted to be part of the... Part of it. Part of the whole scene. And I was going, I wonder, could I get another year? I wonder would the... No, ask, ask me back. So David Hull, who's my... What do you call it? Agent. agent. Uh, uh. And um, he says, well, look, we'll, we'll ask them, you know. You've acted or performed and here with a lot of famous people. Mm. Who, who, who were they over the years? Over the years, um, Brett Ackland, the Bond girl. Right. Brett was a lovely, lovely, great girl. And and each night we would go to the bar, she'd be up there, yeah, I'd get the first one, and she was always always there and, and great to work with. Well, Brett Jimmy Cricket, you mentioned Jimmy that Cricket, yeah. yeah. He was from Donna from your part of the woods there, right? That's right, I didn't realise Dana appeared in the panto up here. Oh, she did. Yeah, we did. Uh, she was uh, Snow White in the Seven Dwarves. It was great to see so many people and Leslie Joseph, uh, another great person. And Leslie Joseph from? England. She did that. You know, the, what do I call that, the girl, the three? She was the next door neighbour, always had the mini skirt. Um, oh, aye, that was um, um, Birds of a Feller, was Birds it? Birds of a Feller, that's right. That was brilliant. Yeah, Birds of a Feller. And um, so, Ray Marr from Home and Away. And he's, I think he's still the oldest actor and still in it. You know, and Ray would be well in his 70s. A real fit man too. It must have been amazing performing along with people from that calibre as well. You're meeting new people all the time. And it's, you know, I really missed Panto last year because of the pandemic. Really, really missed it, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, this one to meet new people. And actually, I met two of them last night. They come over from London, uh, just talking about scripts and stuff like that. And uh, just great to meet, you know, the fellow who's going to be directing and also doing the choreography, and uh, just meeting new people. And it's and we're still we'll st still keep in contact. Uh, Ricky Jay, who was panto with us five years ago, he uh, he was done coming the cruise liner into Belfast here last weekend, rang me and Paddy Jenkins up, lads of in from 12, but I have to leave at half four to be on the boat for half seven that night. But he came in and, just, and he wasn't working that night, he went on, so he cut him in and straight to his bed. So we had a clatter of paints again, I know, around Belfast and Kelly's and in the Jockey York and whatever, and uh, great to see him again. Anytime he's he come here, just gives us a, the bell, and that's us. We're up and running. Would you learn much from them? Oh yes, every you, you, every day's a learning day, you know, and um, and you learn quite a lot from everyone. Sometimes how to conduct yourself and how not to conduct yourself, you know. What do you call a guy from? from Pop Idol. Gareth Gale. I was at the panel that year. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, at, uh, that's the year you went. That's right? the year I went. <laughs> and I had to pay for me ticket. I had to pay for me ticket. I'm sure you did, I. <laughs> not, Everybody else did. Not happy about that. No. <laughs> well, it's all about the money, isn't it? That's, that's, why, that's why we were able to do it year after year, because people pay the money.
sense in sharing this one and only life Ending up just another lost and lonely way You count up the years and they will be filled with tears You see, when you were younger, did you ever act in a pantom? I was, when I was at Sacred Heart Primary School on the Old Park Road, that was when we lived over on Heathfield Road, just off the bone, and um, off the bone, the bones in area, and Heathfield Road was just off it. So Sacred Heart School I went to, and we were doing, um, what was the play? Who Killed Cap Robin? Right. And I was a tree. And what I had to do was stand at the back, right. put one arm up, and the other one at an angle just. For the whole show? For the whole show. You obviously saw potential in you. Never made a mistake. <laughs> I was there that long. Would I you... think Autumn came in and started the lead started. <laughs> Would you say that was the, the roots of your acting career? I, well, that's what I... That's you branched, first, branched out after that's that? It, uh, indeed. <laughs> The roots were sore. Uh, I've never anything else. Well, when we, we moved over a couple of years before I started in May, uh, we was, I was a member of the CB club, which is Christian Brothers, CB, BPU. Right. right. And um, we were a member of the club, part of the fact that I never went to a Christian Brothers club at all, or at school. Did you not? No. So, so uh, anyway. But you end up in the club all the same? Yes. So we were doing. I think we were doing it. Was it Cinderella? And big Liam Nellis. He was um, the, the love of, of Cinderella's life. He was also his, his, his wife. And uh, he was one of the uglies. Right. And another fellow, he was a known actor in North Belfast and he would have been a, a part of an acting company. Right, okay. And uh, a very, very funny man. So we were the two uglies. And uh, we'd have been sitting, and the guy who wrote it was a member of the club as well, and he wrote two A4 pages of people in the club, and we just ripped them apart. You know, and what about her? Oh, I, uh, that bang bang! Oh, I, she, oh, she's flattened some grass in the back once. You know, all, all the, the local ones. Aye. And we had to do. We were supposed to do two shows, just over a weekend. We ended up doing I think four. And each time there was another A4 page added to it. So at the end of it, um, we were we were doing about 25 minutes, just the two of us, everybody else in the background. So it was just brilliant. Uh, and then it was um, about a year, year and a half after that, I was asked to, to just ring in the Eben Holmes' show, just as a character, as myself, or whatever. Young heart, run free. In terms of other actors here, I mean, you've, you know, mm. Paddy Jenkins and people like that, you've yeah. obviously built up a bond and a friendship with those guys. Absolutely. Over the years. Is Paddy here as long as you? No, but Paddy, Paddy was on that stage doing, I think it was uh, Oliver, and Paddy was on there 1984. It's five years before I and see the first pantomime I saw, like professional pantomime, I was in it. I'd never been in the opera house before. 
like our family, we weren't, you know, right, my daddy's going to take us all down there. Ah, you didn't know that, No, that didn't even come into our minds at all. So know? how many performances in one year would you do in, 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 in the pantomime? Well, I remember the first first year we would have done, we would have done three shows on a Saturday. You know, half ten, half two, half seven. And I made a mistake. Well, I didn't make a mistake. Um, I cut out bantering people in the first two shows because you don't know why you said, you know, a line to the audience. Did I say that 20 minutes ago? Or was it two and a half hours ago? In the back, you know, so in, in case I, I repeated myself. Right. So I just used to leave all the banter for Saturday night. So Saturday night in the opera house always was my best night, I thought. Your banter night, My pie. And how many would you have done in, the, in, the, in one Well, sitting? I remember it used to be 94. And I remember one year they put extra shows on for some reason. But we did 99 that year. And, and how do you but, keep the energy off of that? Like 99 just, performances over what, four weeks or something? Or three weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks, is it, yeah. right? How do you manage to keep that? Weeks. Well, you're just it's two a day for five days a week, three on the sixth day, and then you used to get Sundays off. But now um, you get a Monday off because it's easier to sell Sundays than it is Mondays. Right, okay. Because Sundays, the dad and all's off, so, you know, everybody's off school and... It's easy, and Sundays are great too, you know. And you, have you ever missed a show? No, no. Never missed a show? No. Like, I, I'm trying to add that up, but there must be at least, uh, you know, something like over nearly 3,000 shows Oh, yeah, there. it was a bit of... Uh, I, and you never I, missed a day in the Opera House? No. That's incredible, hey? Oh, no, it's, it's strange. It's, um, How do you keep yourself fit for it? Is there a secret? No, no. Um, and I just thought of um, Linda Nolan when she was here. She had just been diagnosed while she was here that she had uh, breast cancer. And she knew the last 12 shows that she going to have to get the breast off and uh, never said a word and just went out and sang her heart out and was brilliant and never said a word out. Oh, I can't go on. Anybody else, right, the minute this is finished, you have to go into hospital. Never, never said a word. Now, that's... That's, that's professional. That's professional. Ah. Uh, like, and I know, I know no dancers, you know, they get a wee knock. I said to this fellow, what's he says, oh, I can't go on, I can't go on. Look at my knee, look at my knee. And he had a wee scratch on it. I can't go on, I can't go on. I just told the, I told the wee dancer that. I said, they get up onto your feet. Well, maybe he didn't say it that way. Get, uh, do you want to get up onto your feet, son, and get out on the stage and do what you're, because you're very, very good at it. Aye. In fact, I've added a new piece of costume to my own act just this week. I call it my magic knickers. Magic knickers? Yeah, to keep disappearing up and <laughs> Did anything ever go wrong? <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> Eh? I remember I remember with uh, Cannon and Ball, God rest Bobby, the two big shoots, you know, like slides, one at one side and the other one at the other side, and they used to slide plates down. Right. So I said, right, and Bobby used to go over and it would be the wrong side, 
he would go over and he'd run over to the other one and the plates would come down, the one he has just left. And the plates hadn't been, um, no one they're in the, the oven, and, but they have to be glazed to keep the hardness in it. So they were just all very easy to break, you know. So there's a big tarpaulin on the stage and the plates were broken everywhere. <laughs> there was, the place was a sheer mess. And I says, well, hold on, look, I'll, do, I'll show you how to do it. And I went over and I got it all wrong. So at the finish up, I got, I got six plates and it was a big chair. And I got the plate and I turned around and there was a wee rip in the tarpaulin, no protecting stage. Aye. I put my toe in it. I'm down head first, head butted the six plates, <laughs> and I opened up my eyelid, just op opened it, and the blood poured out of Are me. You serious? The blood was pouring out of me. And I remember, I looked at one side, it was Bobby Ball, and Tommy Cannon, each side of the stage, and they were on their knees, and the tears were tripping them. <laughs> and then I just looked at them. And, and look what I have done for my profession. And the blood's running down over one eye and down. And I went off stage and I had something there, like an ether or something, to put it in, close it up and put neat seals and all like a back end up. I sitting out there. I've been with you, like walking through Belfast and everybody knows you, right? The, mm. the, you know, but on here, you're obviously a superstar as well, like to be honest, in the Opera House because they've dedicated the room, the uh, dressing room one. Mm. And they've also uh, an amazing bust of you um, oh, that they present, presented oh, in your 25th. That's a, that's how, how does all that feel? How do you deal with fame and all I, that? I don't, I just, you know, I'm just a fellow from North Belfast and just lucky enough to do a job that people think I'm good at. And, you know, it's it's just a, a pleasure to entertain people. And and I was never really political, minded, minded and nothing annoyed me and you know friends you know all religions all colors and all mm. and i love them all to death and you know i just you know, that's brilliant but no it's great that your hometown but i mean it is the pantomime in, in ireland like really to go to and mm. you're at I, for me you know you're the attraction uh, it's, it's great but it's because it, it's because the sets and the stuff that these production companies from london they, they have, it's just unbelievable the, the things they come up with each year. It's, it's tremendous, you know what I mean? There's been flying cars, flying carpets, there's been motorbikes up into the air, and the, the way that... Helicopters. The, aye, helicopters. And the way they shoot it is, the way that the lighting is, you think that that helicopter, I remember two years ago, the helicopter was up, and the guy taught me how, now this is how you would fly a, a real helicopter. You know, one hand taken down, you know, one lever, another one doing the other. He says, that's, if you get in the helicopter now, you could, he says, flat. So you learned how to fly a helicopter yeah. and the pantal on the uprise? Yeah. I wouldn't be getting up on that helicopter, no harm to you. No, you wouldn't. You couldn't see where you're going. <laughs> no, but I mean, oh, with flat, you. Oh, with me. <laughs> But it, it was uh, it was superb, and the way the lighting is, you know, the the arm that goes on the helicopter is on the edge, and it's like a telescope, telescopic, big uh, word for you, lad. I know. It goes right out, but the way the lighting is, you can't see that, you can see nothing, just the helicopter, which was brilliant, you know. And do you have a favourite panto? Um, Are they all? No, they're all. Well? It's what you make of it, really, you know. 
it's just another show and you know as long as Jenkins is on my, my right arm that's it you know me and him just bounce off each other he's a star and that'll be just normal he's Pastor Begley and the pain the 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 whole the ball guy that's right <laughs> I'm nearly going to say pin the whole guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm keeping uh, that up uh, I know you will <laughs> uh, uh, so. the part of this year then part of this year is uh, Goldilocks and the Three Birds that was the production last year so they've just kept it so uh, and there's another guy coming in Marty McGuire and Marty and Joe Donnelly Marty, Marty and Joe are a uh, and they them together, they're partners, and uh, Marty, great actor, and a uh, great singer. I remember him as a, a young lad. He was a uh, lead singer in Shorty and the Heartbeats, right. which was a great group here in Belfast. You know? I know Shorty. Uh, I still know Shorty too, yeah. Uh, well, uh, Marty, was, uh, Marty was a great singer there, and Marty was in a couple of films that he made, one in New Zealand, you know, I think he was... Brilliant. Uh, Great guy, so looking forward to working with Marty and Joe and then Paddy again as usual, you know. So um, thank you to the Opera House for, you know, asking me here again this year and uh, thank you to Ian and all the people upstairs that make this place tick and, of course, the box office and uh, young John at the stage door. give up the mechanic stuff right away or at what point did you decide right it's time to because like it's a big decision to yeah it was a big decision but uh i wasn't earning a lot and uh like it sounds like you rocked it right away really i did it's it just i remember i remember that christmas we had the two kids don and carrie and uh we got we drank in for me and brenda got all the food in got the kids presents and everything was, you know, great. And I remember between her and me, we had 12 quid between us. Everything for Christmas and the new year, and we had 12 pounds between us. And a guy, I can't remember his name, came to me and said, John, for the new year, could you do two gigs for me? One was in Uri, and one was just outside Uri. Two of them in the one night, I'll run ye. I says, uh, what kind of money are you talking? <laughs> and then, then, you know, we're getting 25 quid for doing something, you know, in a wee club. Yeah. Maybe we went up to 30. <clears throat> he says, I'll give you 160 pounds for the two of them. And I took the two gigs on. And then, See, from that, I did those two gigs, it just went slowly but surely up. My career went up and up and up. And then uh, David Hull took me on board, the only agent I've ever had, and he's, he's as straight as a die. Here's Cinderella's two sisters. Everybody's entitled to be ugly, but these four abuse the privilege. Give it. 
you've obviously well known, but you've used your fame like and uh, to do a lot of good to John. You know, like I know from the Children Crossfire viewpoint, which we can chat about. But yeah. there are a number of charities in Northern Ireland that you've been. Ah, yeah, the you, you, you know, cancer charities. Of. You know, are really, you know, it's uh, if it's if it's only an hour of my time. What's an hour of my time? I'm sure. Who am I? I? I'm just a wheel off in North Belfast, and if I can do something that's going to increase our money, and it's a, yeah, so why not do it? And it's always it's always great to see, especially you know, kids kids cancer charities. You know, we used to do a Mimic Fetish Golf Challenge every year. We did it's like wow. me, big Eddie McCabe and Eddie Marcus. You know, two real good guys who did a lot of a lot of work and. Nora Avon Moore used to help, and they're all, they were two of them are members of Fort William Golf Club. And Fort William, that, that was the day to look forward to, the McFatridge Golf Challenge, because um, it was, you know, I'd have got a lot of, you know, big Jerry Kelly has played on it, you know, John Daly couldn't, he, he couldn't hit that wall with a handful of soup mixture. <laughs> but, but you know, they all give their best, Mike Nesbitt, when he was at UTV, played on it, and, uh, you know, all different ones. Uh, for different reasons, footballers and everything, you know, uh, great, just great people, you know, and it was brilliant to do. I do many thousands of pounds we raised for that uh, charity, you know. But you're always very kind to your time, you know. I know, I know, and uh, that's why I think uh, I was given the MBA for my charity work, you uh, know, and not only here, but, you know, with yourself in Africa, you know, and uh, the, like the stuff that you do is just... I'm only, I'm only a wee wee patch of it, you know, the, the stuff, the cross community stuff you do, home and away, and uh, it's just brilliant, Richard, that, you know, a part of you, you know. Well, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, with your support and that, we've raised hundreds of thousands uh, for for projects in Africa, and I remember yeah. in particular, me and you going to Malawi, do you remember that? Oh and, my uh, God. It was along with the Irish News guys, Dominic. And, uh, Dominic and Hugh Russell. Hugh Russell and Maeve Connolly. I me of us, right? And uh, that was yeah, that was that was my first, my first one was. Is that me? your first trip to Africa? Yeah, Malawi. And that was something else. Like remember, oh, remember Ajibu, the wee village. Couldn't, Ajibu. couldn't, cannot f forget it. One of the families, uh, uh, I don't know, the cousin or someone was out getting roots in, you know, in the, the, the fo forest and the bush, whatever. She brought back the roots and they boiled them up, and uh, one of them took a, a piece of it. And spat it out, but her throat all swollen up. But these people hadn't eaten in three days or some four days, and they they were ravishing it, you know. And the mummy and daddy died, and two of the kids died, you know. I never forget that. And when they brought us out to show us where they were buried, and you could see they must have been buried in about a foot of of, of soil, because you could see what they were wrapped in. Was coming up through the, the soil. Yeah, that was horrific. That unbelievable. Yeah. As you be, never yeah. forget it. But you know, one thing that I remarked at, you know, was no matter what, they seem to get your humour. Like in Africa, they, <coughs> some of them didn't even speak the same language. No, indeed not. I uh, didn't speak English, like, and uh, we certainly yeah. didn't speak Swahili Aye. or whatever. No, but you had the you had them in stitches up to I, I, I don't know. How does I remember. That I I don't know. I remember one time. We were in uh, this village, and we went into school, and and uh, Swahili is very 
it's very easy to learn because you you say what you see and do you see the written word in Swahili? It's like uh who plays for I don't know who plays for he plays for Chelsea now. Right. Lukaku. You just you put it into three syllables, three syllables. Lukaku. And it's L A K A K U. Lukaku. So you just just say what you see. That's a very spelled too. And that and that's how it's you know. But I I I was always amazed how you, the humour the humour did uh, transfer or and carry the, or the, travel. Especially with the kids Aye, and nice. and the, the mummies and you didn't see a lot of the daddy. It was mostly the women you saw and you I don't know it's just yeah I, yeah it's strange how to start laughing at you. And the other charities you're involved for the Northern Ireland Children's Hospice. Yeah, you're involved for them and years gone by as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, like when you see them. When you see them kids, you know, um, how can you not, mm. you know, it's, you know, like I, I have two kids, I have, I have three grandchildren and if you thought for a one minute that anything would happen to them, you know, it would, it would be the, the, the end of you, but as a part, especially cancer, uh, a child, you know. I know it's hard to watch. It's it's hard yeah, to yeah. it's hard to fathom. Yeah. You know, you wonder. You know, you wonder what at times. Like. Uh, well, fair play, and I mean, one thing I was always impressed by, uh, <laughs> maybe it's just me, but uh, you you just don't show up and do your act. You actually put through yourself under the whole event and maybe it's me strategy all this but you know your golf tournaments that we, we organize you, mm -hmm. you you go and get teams you go and get prizes you're there yeah. on the night organizing things even doing the scorecards for us oh, and stuff like that. Oh. so is that just me gets out here do you like that way everybody no it's, i think it's it's you it's your <laughs> not big face of yours you know El Cornico, uh, John, could you do? Uh, can you, you know you hurt yourself? You can't. You can't play golf. Can you mark the cards? No, can you? Can you there's no. <laughs> no, you know, Richard. You know, I'm I'm very fond of you and, and and all that you do and the people who you meet. You know, the Dalai Lama called you his inspiration. You're his inspiration on the planet. You know, you, you don't get many. You don't get many. You know. Things like that said about you. Oh, no, I appreciate that, John. No, and I do appreciate all the support you give. But you're very accessible, very approachable. And I, I, I'd, I'd sort of say, and my all joking aside, like I, I do admire. I, I think you have a gig coming up here for me. <laughs> oh, by the way, John. Ah, funny What are you doing Wednesday week? <laughs> I wouldn't oh, be as far away as that. <laughs> Would you? <laughs> oh, give you two days. What are you doing on Sunday? Yeah, you know what my memory's like, right? This is my God take me. I'm having my second cup of coffee this morning, watching Fraser. I tell you, I says, I think I found the day. Oh my God, I have to meet Richard. And I go to the press. I have to meet Richard Bird half ten. And he says, oh, what do you want me to do? Oh, get you ready. <laughs> Up into the shard, getting. Working nine to five, what a way to make a living Barely getting by, it's all taken and no giving They just use your mind and they never give you credit It's enough to drive you crazy if you let it Nine to five
recently you've had your, your challenges. Aye, heavens. Like, I got, remember those times I got my knee done in 2013, my right knee. Well, the, the, the left one was going the same way, but I was going to do another panto needing a knee. So, mid July, I got the left knee done. But then again, I'm from North Belfast, and you couldn't be from North Belfast and not get your knees done. Right? <laughs> so that's a, that's a turn done. So I got it done in July, and um, I was on the crutches, and when I was on the crutches, I put my back out. Right. And my back, and it's not 100% yet. Like I can do, like even walking, I got the bus into town because by the time I got the car parked, and moving here, moving there, and then you'd get left home with you. Not you driving, or still driving. <laughs> so, uh, and so I, I just got the bus in, and it was, uh, I think I was one minute late. As it's actually one minute after half ten, you rang me, where are you? You know, I was I would, one minute late. I would, you were late. You know that? That's the point, like, uh, you know, like, can we, I mean, I'm not, can I use an expletive here? Uh, you can say what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you'd leave it in too, uh, wouldn't you? Of course I would. <laughs> <laughs> oh. This is a podcast and I can go. But Willie had two wee children, two wee twins. That were lovely kids, so I love them. That blew me eye, Jason and Kelly. <laughs> Just made them up for a couple of neighbours. So, what's the future for John then? Or I don't know, Joe. Somebody said to me, John, like, I, I can't get my head around this. I'm 70 in November, right? Aye, aye. Uh, no, I don't tell lies. I was telling lies, I'd say 53. So, I was in some memory of 53. But, and I, somebody says, well, you not hang the boots up, you know, hang your blouse up or your wig. And I went, what, just me and Brenda in the house? I don't know who'd kill who first, but I think I think she'd kill me. Because, like, even when I'm working, she's saying, on oh, my day off, you're not going out. So, and, you're, uh, and you're an Irish speaker. I, I, I do, uh, by no means uh, leafa, by no means fluent, but when my sultans cudge more, I enjoy it very much. Ah, Tashe Jacker, it is difficult. What got you under then? I just, you know, I, I always, cause my, my grandmother was a fluent Irish speaker. She came from Kerry and married oh, my right. granddaughter in Cork and, and there was a lot of Irish spoken. My daddy never spoke, although him, a Cork man. But um, um, no, there was, there was nobody, nobody uh, speaking Irish. So, and I always, I always loved hearing it and listening, especially when it was in Dublin. You know, on Newark, it would come on six o'clock every night, the news, and uh, and you'd hear it, and all the news in Irish and pick up. You know, different mm -hmm. things. I said, look, she will go for it. So, now if it hadn't been for COVID, mm -hmm. uh, me and Liam Nellis, the two of us together, um, are taught by, uh, we'll, we'll do our, our stuff, but uh, our muncher would be a guy called Colm O'Kane from Ronaldstown. Uh, a Belfast guy, but he, he lives in Ronaldstown. And what a gentleman. What a nice, nice man. And a great Irish speaker, great 
Yeah. A, a great speaker um, and a great lover of Donegal, Tory Island and all that. He, he just loves it. In terms of the conflict, right? I know we touched on it in terms of your own experience and mm -hmm. all that. But do you think that the con the conflict does did humor help during the conflict, and did it, and did the conflict help your humor as, as well? You know, we, we laugh our way through a lot of things. Yeah, you indeed. Know, but, but well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna test how the humor is on next Saturday week because I'm doing a gig for the UUP, right? <laughs> the Ultra Unionist Party, right? In the Crown Plaza. And it's their annual AGM. So everybody, who's anybody belonging to the UUP will be there. Right. And I'm going to start it. Falcha goes in Austin at Crown Plaza. Smisha Shanogu Lena Hoyne. Vime Rogi August Togi Tushkart Bill Firstia. August Anish Tommy Makahoney Bohriantama Tushkart Bill Firstia. Oh, sorry, wait, no, sorry, that's for the shinners, that's for next week. Sorry about that. Oh, hello there, I make this, but how are you? See how it goes, and then you'll know I, I how the conflict is. <laughs> you know, if, has humour got to everyone? I don't know. But did you bring it in, the, like, you're active when you're out and about, during the troubles? Like, uh... I, I brought it in the Opera House for Clare King, the girl out of Emmerdale. Aye. The bitch, the biatch of Emmerdale. Right. She did panto with us there four years ago, lovely girl, lovely girl. She's mad into horses. She gave one of the boys backstage a tip and it came second at 25 to 1. Right. Oh, I, I, I'm delighted they shot. She was a, the bee's knees. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so I brought I brought Irish into that one of the lane. She says, do you speak? She said, because there was people in the front row and one of the guys was talking, he says, that, that music, is that the Derriere? I says, the London Derriere. <laughs> and all these, it was about 10 of them in the front row. Yo, all cheering. And uh, next thing, she said to me, what, 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 do, you, what, do, you, what do you mean, Derry, London, Derry? What's all that? I says, that's that bit. just different language over here. He says, do, do you speak any language? Do you speak French? Maybe. Oui. Do you speak uh, Irish? Go Malesco. Go Malaysia, Rogue August talking to Scarpa first, yeah. Ah, be dead. <laughs> and that was just really. And then I looked at the tail on the head of her and I went, yeah. <laughs> the tail in the front row. But I could hear there must have been a school of Irish ones in. I could hear up in the, the cause, yeah, big cheer. <laughs> but. Um, uh, and you didn't mind travelling during the conflict and the like, different oh, areas? Oh, stop. I did every. I did every club in the country. And you were never nervous no. about it? Sometimes you were apprehensive. But uh, But you always got a good welcome, didn't you? Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. I remember doing... Do you remember the post office club in Derry? Aye. You had to go up in the lift. That's right, up the stairs, that's up, right. Uh, and it, it was a real... Did that used to be a funeral home or something? I don't know what it was. But it was this big long hall. It's real long. That's right. You know, not very way, but real long. <laughs> and I remember doing the gig, and there was this woman, and um, I don't I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not maybe I shouldn't be talking about her. But well, she's not she, you know, to give her name. She, so. No, I don't even know. Oh, I'll do. She's a short woman, you know, Aye. and she pulled her skirt up. 
the, the over knee Aye. and she had the stockings on and right. the, the no surrenders on, <laughs> no, the suspenders. And she just came towards me and said, there's millions and millions of men in there and you're the one that I want. I love you. And she made to grab me somewhere. Luz, leave me alone. Luz. I said, listen, love, Luz. I said, you only get one set of them. They're, they're not like teeth, you know, pull one out and the normal one will grow. Like, love, you know, that's just the one issue. There's only one issue then they'll play and they talk around. But I love them. I love them. I mean, oh my God. And I brought, Brenda says, oh, you're always going up to Derry, you know, it's a great place, a great place. And I brought Brenda that night. Right. And Brenda says, get me any. <laughs> and he says, that's one of the better looking ones. <laughs> she, was as, she was as wide as she was tall. Oh, oh dear lover. Dear lover. Well, John, listen, it's been great crack. Mm. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Who do you invoice? I think so. <laughs> well, I'll be thanked to you. I invoice a UUP, but good luck with that one. I hope you get it. <laughs> no, it's been a pleasure, Richard. Thank you very much for allowing me time to just talk to you. Brilliant. Thank you. There's a couple of people I need to thank who helped me pull this podcast together. Ian Wilson and Paul Johnson from the Opera House in Belfast. I have to thank David Hull, who's John's agent. A big thank you to Dominic Fitzpatrick and Paul Donnelly from the Q Network. And finally, it wouldn't have been possible to do this podcast without the ongoing support of Ursula Murr and Enya Murr. You can catch this episode of What About You and other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon and Google Podcasts. Once again, from me, Richard Moore, thanks very much. <laughs>